listening to Bible Study Wednesday, January the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2019. And we're going to attempt to do something a little different beginning this week. There are complaints that when I talk about the Bible passages for the following Sunday, what we do on Monday, I usually just touch one of the passages, as I did this past Monday, John chapter 2. But some people like to preach either on the psalm or the Old Testament reading or the epistle. So I'm going to, during the Bible studies where congregations are meeting, to listen to me for half an hour and then to talk about it, I'm going to attempt occasionally, if not all the time, to do one of the other lessons that I did not do on Sunday, uh, on Monday, concerning the second Sunday after the Epiphany. And the one we're going to look at right now is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. That's the epistle reading for second Sunday after the Epiphany. But I think it's worth the time to not only talk about it, I won't be preaching on this, but there may be some pastors listening who will be preaching. And so perhaps some of the items that I speak about, they want to maybe insert into their sermon. It's about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, this is a pretty important topic I've often figured out that when there is division in the church, very little of it is over doctrine. And I'm talking about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, not other denominations. But a lot of time it's a personality conflict or somebody says that, boy, they're doing more than they are able to do and uh, they don't have the gifts for it and this sort of thing. So the Apostle Paul obviously was having that situation in Corinth. And so he's talking about spiritual gifts. I do not want you to be uninformed. Because you know when you were pagans, verse 2. Now pagans mean unbelievers. You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Now I really like that, that phraseology, mute idols. Idols. What does that mean? If someone is mute, they are unable to talk. And yet, all religions who have these idols, they imagine that the idols are talking to them. They write books about it as to what the idol wants them to say, to do, etc. Whether that idol is something they carved or whether they refer to them as Allah These are idols that are really mute from God's point of view. In fact, if anybody gets a message from them, it would be from Satan himself. So you were led astray. I I can't think of a mute idol that doesn't give the impression that I will begin to like you and love you and save you if you start doing good works that I have commanded you. Tell me a religion that doesn't say that outside of Christianity, and you won't find one. They all say that. Paul continues, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. 
Wow, you can do a couple of sermons just on that one verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12. What does it mean that Jesus is accursed? It's the kind of feeling and the attitude that the unbelieving Pharisees had toward Jesus that he was really cursed by God because all the miracles he was doing were by Beelzebub, the devil. And he was so accursed in their view that they had to put him to death, which was the death of the crucifixion. So anybody who says Jesus is accursed, obviously they don't believe that he is the only begotten son of God, that he is the promised Messiah or the Christ, or that he is God himself. So if somebody says that, that clearly indicates that they are not speaking from the point of view of the Spirit of God. And that's kind of people that we excommunicate. Excommunication is done to make a person aware that he is outside the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And hopefully, he will become so aware of it that he might be attending Bible studies and come once more back into the fellowship. The purpose of excommunication is to get people back into communication, specifically the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The next one, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, how many people imagine that they have free choice, not just in temporal matters, which they have. They can decide what gasoline to buy, what clothes to buy, what church to attend, whether or not they're going to attempt to have children, whether they're going to get married, etc., etc. But in the spiritual realm, there is no free choice. An unbeliever can never choose to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's incapable of doing that because he is an unbeliever. The only time that an unbeliever comes to the point where he says, Jesus is Lord, is when he becomes a believer. Nobody who says Jesus is Lord and understands that in a proper way is an unbeliever. They're a believer. But how do you become a believer? Well, Romans 10, you come to faith by hearing the word of God. Now, how does that happen? The Holy Spirit creates in you that faith. David said that in Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Notice who does the creation. The same individual who hovered over the face of the waters at the original creation now hovers over you, and in my case, the waters of baptism, to give me that faith where I proclaim Jesus is Lord. So that's, a whole book is written on that, and that's Martin Luther against an individual who thought that we had a choice. And you ought to really, if you're at all interested, read that book where Luther talks only by the Holy Spirit does one come to faith. Now, when a Christian comes to faith, 
all Christians do not equally receive the various gifts that the Holy Spirit dispenses. Uh, The first thing they all receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift everybody gets who believes in Jesus Christ. And that's according to uh, Acts chapter 2, where Peter says, when you're baptized, you'll receive the gift of the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But there are a, a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. So when Luther wrote that book, Bondage of the Will, he wanted to make very clear the answer to this simple question, when you die and go to heaven, to whom will you give all the credit for your salvation? The answer is to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as a pastor, I've been involved with uh, numerous congregations And it's kind of interesting that none of the Christians, or all of the Christians, I should say, don't have the same gifts. And that's what verse 4 is saying. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. So, remember there's that passage, there's in Christ no distinction between Jew and Gentile, male or female, and also slave or free. I'm going to add one. In Christ, there is no distinction between pastor and layperson. You may have a variety of gifts, but you have the same spirit. One of the reasons that in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we hopefully have our pastors attending four years at the seminary is so that the professors can come to a conclusion as to whether or not those pastors have the proper gifts to be a pastor. And I had, oh, about 80 field workers. Those were seminarians attached to my church when I was in St. Louis uh, at a church for 28 years. And there were four or five of them that I helped remove from the seminary uh, because one of them had been Roman Catholic, attended a very liberal Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and he was asked, were you ever confirmed? And he said, yes, I was confirmed in the Roman Catholic Church. And the pastor said, well, that's sufficient for me. You can join our church. And he came to the seminary. In fact, He was a field worker who would stand at the back of the church when people were leaving and asking them if they had read the Book of Concord, which is the confessions of the Lutheran Church. And if they had not, he would doubt whether or not they were truly Lutheran. Well, he didn't last very long. Uh, Another individual I had had homosexual tendencies, and he also was removed therefore, from the seminary. And I can give you other examples. So part of the reason going to seminary, they may have the same gift of the Holy Spirit, but there are a variety of service that they're able to do. And then verse 6 says, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And when we're talking about everyone, 
guess what? Some people have an activity and they are not a believer. Uh, For example, I've met a number of people who are unbelievers, but boy, are they able to figure out just how to program computers. They really have a gift in that area. And so God gives gifts uh, to everyone. And it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. That's why you don't boast. Boy, look at what a good farmer I am. Now, I, I could not be a farmer. I don't have that gift. I've known some farmers, and boy, if you're a farmer, not only do you have to know a lot about ground, a lot about sowing seed, but also how to fix tractors and other elements that are used on the farm. I I give a lot of credit to farmers. I mean, they can do everything right and have a beautiful harvest, and then one night a hailstorm comes and destroys it. Boy, that really takes faith. I I remember when we had the big flood here in St. Louis years ago, there were some farmers up on a hill looking at their house being devoured by the flood, and they said, well, it's only a house, everybody is safe, and we will rebuild. Boy, that's a particular gift that not all of us have. And verse 7 is really critical. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, where does that come from? Well, I'm sure the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, remembers the summary of the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second part, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, doing good works to neighbors doesn't save anybody. Because... God recognizes that when he gives the gifts, and particularly the faith to Christians, it is for the common good. It is for the good of the neighbor. That's why on Judgment Day, if you remember Matthew 25, Jesus is really talking about the common good that the sheep have done, much of which they have forgotten. Because the common good of a Christian is done so spontaneously with the Holy Spirit within us, making our bodies his temple, that a lot of times we don't recognize how different we are in our thoughts, words, and deeds than unbelievers. But there are a variety of gifts, services, and activities, but each of them is given for the common good good. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit, now we're talking about Christians again, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, what's the difference? You would think that wisdom is knowledge. Well, knowledge may have a wonderful understanding of of all of the passages of the Bible. I knew a pastor, I could start off a Bible passage, and I'll I'll try one with you because you'll get this one. For God so loved the world, and he will tell me what book and chapter and verse it's in. John 3, 
16. But, of course, I just didn't use the wonderful pearl of all passages. I used other passages. And sure enough, by and large, he had a great knowledge according to the same spirit. Now, remember, at the time of Jesus, some of the scribes had the Old Testament memorized. That was the book of the Bible they had. Uh, They could even tell you the middle word or the middle letter of the entire Old Testament. They had a great knowledge. Now, some of them were not totally unbelievers, like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. They probably had a great knowledge, but they were lacking in the utterance of wisdom. What's wisdom in contrast to knowledge? Well, you may know a lot of things, but you may not know how to apply them to people today. Uh, For example, when my kids were really young, three, four years old, they all knew that if they went over to the wall and flipped up a switch, lights would go on. They had that knowledge. But if something happened to the wire inside or even a light bulb blew out, they didn't have the wisdom to know how to correct that. They would go over and keep switching up and down the switch. They had no knowledge of being able to go into the wall and fix the wiring. That's kind of wisdom. Now, that's the same with the Scripture. How many people know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Most Christians know that. But here's how a lot of them interpret it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what God does to save us. That whoever believes in him will be saved. Okay, that's our part. We have to make a choice to believe in him. So here they have the knowledge of John 3.16, but they're totally confused with the application. Because it is clear that, it's even said here, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the wisdom after the knowledge. That's why I continue to take courses at the seminary with professors or read books by them, because those new commentaries Concordia Publishing House is putting out on each book of the Bible, that is a really great gift to have in your library, because these professors show and demonstrate insights that are not available just by reading the English translations of the Bible. So they have some wisdom as to how to apply and what these things mean. Going on, number nine, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, here we're not talking about the faith that saves, but the faith that believes the promises of God. There there are people, when things start going wrong in their life, They get really upset over it. And who doesn't? I mean, I can give you all kinds of examples where I was upset when something didn't work out. I remember I was trying to buy some special wheels for the car. I heard they were on sale, and I went to get them, and the sale had ended the day before. Well, that ruined my whole day. See, I didn't have proper faith, trusting the promises of God. To another, gifts of healing 
by the one spirit. Now, I'm not saying that there are not gifts of healing given out today. Uh, For example, I remember Dr. Mortensen was the physician at Concordia Seminary when I was there, and I heard him give a lecture on how miraculous healings had taken place in certain people. They had cancer, and then when they were about to do some work on them, the cancer had disappeared. And he could not figure out how that had happened. So there's no doubt that even healing, and every pastor and every lay person can pray over an individual asking that God heal them. And that works out also with, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Now, prophecy doesn't mean telling the future. Boy, I wish I had that gift and could figure out what the lottery number this week is going to be. (laughs) And I would go buy a ticket with that number on it. Now, that's not prophecy. Prophecy means to proclaim forth the Word of God. And I've had a variety of Sunday school teachers, and some of them do a better job than I do in explaining to the children the law and gospel meaning of that Sunday school lesson. So it's just not pastors who are able to proclaim forth, although that is certainly one of the abilities that they need to do. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. Now, that's really important in our day and age because many people recognize all kinds of different religions and they have a difficulty in saying, here's why Christianity is better. And that's the distinguishing between the false spirits and the true spirits. The, the next one is interesting. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, I've always taken the position that the word tongues or glossolalia is really best understood by going to Pentecost because when they spoke in tongues, this was not an angelic language. It was known foreign languages. I am really taken by people who can speak four languages fluently. Now, I can interpret five languages if I have it written down. I can figure out what the translation is. I've been trained in that, but I do not speak various kinds of tongues fluently. Some people can, and that's a real gift. If you have that gift, uh, the government will often hire you because they need translators, or police stations will because sometimes they arrest somebody who doesn't speak English and they need a translator and you're able to interpret the tongue. Verse 11 is really the summary of what we're getting. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I think there should be a course even in public school, where there is a way in which an individual's gifts are discovered. Uh, For example, uh, Mark Laverty is a tremendous pianist, but he puts in hours 
in practicing it. I could put in the same number of hours and still not be able to play as he can without notes, some tremendous pieces. On, on the other hand, there is no doubt there are some books written that whatever you do, if you put in 10,000 hours, you can become quite proficient at it. But there are ways in which you can test whether individuals have those gifts. I have a grandson who's now playing the piano in congregation where they worship St. Paul Lutheran Church in De Pere. Well, I, I never knew he had that gift, but my son Luther has that gift also, and now he got it, and now his sister is starting to learn. So it's kind of a good idea for parents to kind of check out what are the gifts that are best suited by for this individual that are given by the Holy Spirit. So we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 for the purpose. Don't be upset that others have gifts you don't have. And don't be boasting about your gifts. That's the law because they all come from the Spirit. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to have an interesting discussion about politics in the church, which I think are necessary. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.